Hi, this is Thomas. This is Robbie. And this is Megan. And you're listening to The Drop Podcast from Believe in the Run. And here's a spot where we talk about running all things in the industry, just pretty much anything in running, right, Robbie? Yeah, that's what we do. We run, we write, we talk, we yeah. also eat food in between. Well, yeah, but it's pretty much we run, we talk about running, we stare at shoes, we weigh shoes, we video shoes, and we talk about them on a podcast. And then we talk to special guests. Like today, we have Alexi Pappas, which was a treat to listen to and to be a part of the interview with Megan. Megan, wasn't she awesome? Yeah, Alexi was great. Um, we talked about her new book, Bravey, which is awesome. I recommend everyone go out and get it. It's um, a really fast read, and it's it's very open and honest. Wait, Megan says it's really fast read. Like Megan's paces, <laughs> she's able to crush reading uh, quickly. I it would have taken me a lot longer, but Megan got the book on a Friday and finished it before interview. On yeah, one weekend. Yeah, one weekend, and it's sixteen hundred pages long. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically it's uh, War and Peace. Yeah, but... people are comparing it to the Bible. Um, <laughs> but uh, Megan finished it up, and we had a great conversation with Lexi that you can listen to in a little bit after we get talking about our stuff. Yeah, first first things first. Yeah, <laughs> sit down, Lexi. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so we get into it. Hey, should we talk about shoes or our running week first? Running week first. All right. Meg, yeah, how's your running this week? <laughs> running is going well. I'm uh, averaging about 70 miles a week, uh, running, training for the Woodlands Marathon, uh, doing one workout in the long run and feeling good. When you say a long run workout, what kind of pace are we talking about? I actually about? said a long run and, and a, a workout. workout. Okay. But my long run was also a workout. Yeah. What kind of pace are you running for a marathon pace here? Um. Aiming for about 640. And so you were doing some miles last weekend and for your 21 miles, some of those were in the 640s? Yes, uh, 11 of those. 11 oh. of those. <laughs> Broken up though, so not all at once. Yeah. And then today you did a workout as well? Yeah. It was a similar workout actually. Well, kind of. Um, it was miles at marathon pace and then marathon pace minus 10 seconds with a minute in between each mile. Mm. Okay. A, minute of, a minute of jogging. Yogging. Uh, I think yes. that's how it's pronounced. It is. Uh, how about you, Robbie? What's going on this week? Oh, me. Let's see. I started doing physical therapy last Friday, so that was nice. Are I you cured? Are you healed? Yeah, completely. Perfect. <laughs> so now I can run, run as session. hard as I can again and injure <laughs> myself this week. Yeah, but she did tell you you could go back to some running, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a thing that doesn't isn't really help by just sitting around and resting. So you know, I've yeah been doing two to three miles every other day so that's cool and a little bit of hiking in between i went drove off to pennsylvania last friday night after my physical therapy did this like night hike <laughs> like start at 10 o'clock at night and hiked up to the top of this mountain did you meet people or was this kind of a serial <laughs> no i'm thing? pretty sure robbie's the only one who does <laughs> night hikes <laughs> well i did it with my my uh best friend wanted to start doing them so i was like yeah Let's do it. Okay. Wait, kids are, kid, night hiking is a thing. I guess. Yeah. Especially when you have to hide bodies. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of cool. Kind of creepy. Uh, but like when I have kids, the kids are in bed. It's like now I can go hmm. night hiking, hiking or yeah. whatever. Niking. <laughs> Niking. Yeah. yeah. You wear Nikes to go Niking. That's where they got their name from. Awesome. So, so that was fun. And otherwise, you know, did the Faster Bastards uh, new Kurt. Mile, Kirk, Kirk out, out mile yeah. on New Kirk Street last night. Although I just ran with my three-year-old or sorry, four-year-old who was riding his bike. So yeah. that was cool. He was, he was a champ. It yeah. was pretty cold out there. 
Yeah, it was not as cool as last time. I think it was like in the 20s last time we did it, but it was in the 30s. Yeah, it was crazy. For a kid, that's pretty cold. Yeah, yeah. And he tailgated afterwards, which is pretty sweet. Mm. Me (laughs) drinking my near beer, or not even near, (laughs) non-alcoholic. Bubbly water. Athletic brewing. I feel like I'm going to pitch it here because I'm sure everyone on this podcast has seen ads for it nonstop in January. Yeah, and now it's in your phone, so you're going to get even more. It's ridiculous. More. More but, but it's not bad for a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. When I go that route, I'll try it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. All right. So my run is going well. Uh, I'm enjoying a little bit of a take back week. So uh, Coach Ames has me dropping the mileage back down. He wants me to do a 5K trial uh, to kind of see where we are. Because I'm getting, I guess I'm in the middle of half training for Woodlands. So I'm doing workouts and I think uh, my paces are increasing. So in the, or is it decreasing? decreasing. I'm getting faster. So we, I think we want to take a look at what uh, the goal is going to be for training and, and for, for the woodland. So doing another trial, uh, you know, Megan at her 640 pace, I did two mile warm up this morning and then a two mile, uh, a little bit harder uh, just to see one of the miles was 658. So oh, I'm I'm right on your heels, Meg. Right on for a mile. Not quick for a mile. Yeah, it'd be great if I I'd be happy with six forty for uh, the five k trial. That'd be great. Yeah, you should do it. Yeah. Just go ahead and do it, man. I, I I it was it was one of those times where after the workout today, I was just like, I I could hold the paces for those two miles doing that, and I was like, I don't know if I had one more mile, would I be able to hold it, or would I just start sinking into like <laughs> you know, falling apart like wheels coming off but wait you forgot the most important part of this past week is that you had a birthday oh i did bro yeah it was a big one i won't tell anyone which one it was yeah it, it was a big one but uh, i will tell you this it puts me in the masters deeply and, <laughs> and i get to uh i get to uh you know i get to see what we get to do and i am actually running better i feel than i have i don't know in a long time like my Faces are going well. My body feels great. Um, we should just do ages by Boston qualifying time. So you're at what four hours right now? BQ. Yeah, I, I have to I'm basically finish a marathon. And I'm <laughs> just in. whenever I'm in. <laughs> you're in the whenever you finish yeah. BQ phase. Well, I've always been in the charity qualifying. <laughs> is there once once you get to like super old ages, like ninety five? I do believe. Is it just you if just, you do you a marathon, it. you're in? I I forget where it drops off, but like for me. Ideally, my goal is going to be between 315 and 320. Oh, yeah. Well, that would put you there. Put me where? For the B, for well yeah. within the BQ. Gives me five minutes to 10 minutes. For a 320? Or if you run the 320. Gives me oh, okay. five minutes and yeah. three. Uh, Which I think you're probably going to need. Oh, yeah. For next year. Yeah. yeah. Who I mean, knows how that's going to go? I have no idea how, what's, what's going to happen. I've run 31 marathons. Of Boston qualified one time. You could probably just course cut something because the marathon <laughs> investigation guy is probably out of work now that there's yeah. no races to investigate <laughs> anymore. Seriously? He's investigating uh, uh, virtual races. <laughs> <laughs> this lady said she ran five miles. We've got proof she did not. She received a Jolly Pumpkin 5K medal and she shouldn't have. <laughs> Get her out of here. <laughs> yeah. Someone dox her and fire her from her job. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the canceled movement. Yeah. 
Marath- it all started with marathon investigations. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that wraps up our running. Why don't we talk about uh, shoes? Because that's what we love. All right. Transition it, Nick. All right. We got some hot numbers coming in. Little spicy mamas from Nike. Yeah. Let's talk <laughs> about the Infinity Run too, or you might want to call no, it the you React. Have to, now that we know the full yeah. name, you have to say it. Nike React Infinity Run Align It 2. You got it. Mm, too long. Yeah. Chop that In down. a world where there was one infinity, <laughs> there is now two infinities. Wait, is that possible? It infinity is, is parallel, just infinity. Parallel universe, bro. Didn't even think about yeah. that. Neil deGrasse Tyson over here. Yeah, I... I like this shoe. This is a good daily trainer. Meg's been running in it. Robbie just got a pair today. Yeah, they're on my feet right now. I can give a full review from walking (laughs) to my house and back. What's your first impression? If you want a first impression just on the feet, I would say I like it better than last version because I found the last version, the first version to be really sloppy. So this is more of like an, an actual upper I mean, that you that's can lock down. That's the key to this one. It's the yeah. midsole, outsole are exactly the same. It's all about the upper. And I think it makes a big, big difference. Meg, what do you think about the shoe? I like it. Um, it takes me a little while to get used to running in it because I have flat feet and there's very high arch support. So it does take a little uh, break in time. And I do feel like the upper fits much, much better. It's a much more comfortable shoe. I just find it heinous to look at. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I, I like it too. I got the all gray version. Megan has like this pink and sh- black. I don't know what color. It's like purple. I like to call it plum crazy purple. There we go. And uh, probably what they call it on the night. So what color Joe yeah. Dirt's car was. I, I like it. I think it, what, what the upper does here is you have Flywire introduced back in and you have a um, padded heel collar that make the upper fit well. And it what it does is the original version, there wasn't any lateral or medial support to the laces and there wasn't a good way to lock down the heel. And it has a heel clip that's a piece of plastic in the back. So it doesn't have very much flexibility. So as your foot went through the stride, you might get a little bit of heel lift and there was no way to really lock it down with the lacing. And what they did with this one, you do have a more secure fit and it makes the shoe just feel more cohesive through your stride. So you don't, you're not thinking about the sloppiness when you're taking sharp turns. It's not. Yeah, for sure. That was like yeah. one of the things that I didn't like about it, the last one. It, it's very, you're confident running in it. It is, I mean, it's a standard cruiser. It's a little bit of a rocker and goes through the stripe pretty smooth. I will say the thing I did like about the last version, even though it wasn't structurally supportive, was the comfort of the upper because it was so supple and like it was really comfortable just like wearing around for you know what i mean i think you're gonna find this will break it yeah yeah. once you get once you get a little bit of uh, runs in this one i i felt like the upper pretty much disappears i actually like this one just for all around you i have one other thing that i've noticed from the last few nike shoes that i wanted to see if you noticed do you feel the toe box has become really shallow like the ceiling of it i feel like in the last like several shoes that's how it's been that's interesting i have low volume feet so it's not something that really i haven't noticed it though and i've got wide feet okay yeah megan's basically got like this flippers yeah it looks like if if like a seal had a baby yeah 
Well, not like bear. not the width of it. No, I know what you mean. Like, the volume, like yeah. the depth. Yeah, hers looks like a ba- her foot looks like the end of a baseball bat. That would be super it's weird. The, wait, it's quite the description. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She it has looks, no toes. She's <laughs> actually a peg leg. It looks normal. <laughs> Ish. Okay. <laughs> I'm just imagining this baseball bat foot oh, with toes clubbing along. So creepy. Yeah. She was great at kickball. <laughs> she just. Home run every time. <laughs> every time out of the park, she used to point to the fence. <laughs> call 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 your shot, Meg. Yeah. That's what she does before she lines up for a sub three attempt. Just points her foot at the, at the, finish, at line. the finish line. Just kick people as we're going. <laughs> yeah. I guess we exhausted that topic, though. So that's the infinity. Uh, wait. Just Nike. say infinity react, react to. Infinity yes. run. Yeah. React. It. it comes out. Two. It's actually out right now. For $160, I believe. What do you think of that price point? I mean, I guess if it's a stability shoe, it's not that weird because most stability shoes are in that yeah. $150 range. And we didn't really talk about that. The stability part of the shoe is that it's a wide platform rocker uh, style midsole and the clip in the back kind of keeps the heel steady, but it's not. it doesn't have any posting. There's no dual density foams or anything like that. It's a pretty... Just it, a, a nice design. It can work well for stability or non-stability. Yeah, people. I love it, and I don't need stability. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's good enough for that. Next week, we got the Nike Invincible coming in. Yeah. Hot new shoe. Got some good thoughts about that. So one last thing tuned. I'll say about the okay. React and the yeah. price. Yeah, is this shoe doesn't die. Like the React foam, true, lasts a long time. And like we had Brandon, who does some of our video editing work today. Like he had a pair on it. Yeah, he's wearing it today when he picked up the yeah, disc. Yeah, this has got to be like a year and a half old. And we know that oh, Altrin, They only came out a year ago, so. Well, yeah, last January, I suppose. Um, <laughs> the um, That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, um, that is about a year. Uh, and our boy Aldrin down in Florida, I mean, he hundreds of miles on his. Yeah, yeah, like four or 500. So, yeah. all right, let's move on. All right, so here's our first check-in. And this week, we're talking to Alexi Pappas. We're talking about mental health and running and some of the challenges that come with that. So know that right now, just by you being out here, you're doing something good for your head. And listen to the rest of the show and try to stay in a good, happy spot and get those miles in. All right, next topic of the day. Let's talk about some mental health. So we're talking with Alexi Pops today. Obviously, that's a large part of her story. And kind of wanted to go over maybe if you've had any experiences with mental health, whether it's just like race day, mental stuff, training, general health. Yeah, I almost feel like like we should have had Adrian on for this, but... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I worked with Adrian because I used to have like severe anxiety before races. Adrian's uh, kind of believe in the run reviewer, sports psychologist. Yeah. And, um, you know, we worked on some things to help kind of combat that. I used to even get like a little anxiety before speed work days, just like I would get all in my head about the paces. And, um, you know, we did some stuff to work on that and I cleared that up. So, you know, it definitely is an underrated part of your training and how how to like improve your running is your your thought process i think when we talk to 
Alexi, though, it's a it's a little more holistic in the whole dynamic of her life. Yeah, because versus just running. And she'll talk about it a little bit, but she had a tumultuous like upbringing or younger life and some issues that she had to work through with that. So that obviously played a part in life in general and of course in running. So, um, Megan, what about you? I mean, Megan is probably one of the mental healthiest people I know. I don't know. That's because she's not on Twitter. She doesn't check it. True. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think we all struggle sometimes with whether it's running related or life related or whatever it is. Um, But yeah, I've never worked with someone like Thomas has specifically on that topic. I, I, I live with Megan. Yeah. Like, so you're her. No, no. As a matter of fact, she gets double time. So she gets all the stuff that isn't running related. She deals with. Yeah. So like, I'll talk to uh, Adrian about running stuff. Megan gets the rest of the crap. (laughs) It's amazing. She hasn't had to see someone because of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's more of it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like personally, the running stuff doesn't bother me. I've never had issues like on race day about, I mean, I get nervous. Like everyone does um, have trouble sleeping the night before. But otherwise, I've never had issues with racing. It's more of just like the overall thing. Like life stuff will keep me from running if it's meant, you know, if I'm mentally like checked out. So I think some people running is a consistent thing, but running isn't like that thing for me. I don't know. It's like, you know, that is probably the one consistent thing I feel like. Yeah. Is no matter what's going on in life, like the running always happens. Yeah. I had to agree with me that in almost the running sets the table for me to have like the rest of life. Like if, if I get the run in, I feel like it is two things we do every, well, I guess three things. I make my bed. We empty the dishwasher, make some coffee, get the run in. And then it's like the rest of the day is just a bonus. Yeah, I I kind of wish I was that. <laughs> I'm more of like, sometimes that's why like my Instagram is a normcore runner because I'm, I don't feel, I still don't feel like I'm really a runner. I mean, I know I am, but I sometimes feel like I don't check off the boxes that are a runner. Like that thing where it's running is the thing that holds me there. Well, you know, that's the weird thing about running is it, there's more than almost anything else in my life. It's a, it's, open to comparing yourself to other people almost more than anything else because it's so objective and we talk about this with Lexi too it's just there's you you either are doing it or you're not doing it and you're a runner if you're doing it no matter if it's three days a week five days a week seven days a week whatever and I think that people get hung up and it's like then once you you run all the time and you know, I've, I've, I've had 3000 years stack like mile years stacked up over time. And there's sometimes where you, I don't feel like a runner. It's just that you start comparing yourself to other people, times, paces, you know, yeah. distances. And I think that's why a lot of people get into ultra running that, you know, if you're not super fast, you can feel like I'm a, you- I'm a runner. Cause I just did a hundred miler. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, you did it at a 20 minute mile pace 
I mean, it's still an accomplishment. No, it definitely is. But you know, it's it's a different way to feel. Well, and you get like to just eat and drink all the time. It's and, weird for me to hear you say you don't consider yourself a runner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, super I, weird. I feel a little. I still feel like somewhat fraudulent from time like to time. Like an imposter or a poser? Yeah. That's probably from skateboarding. Much. I used to, I was just going to say, when I was a skateboarder, that was a big, big part of it. It was like, did you live the lifestyle or were you a poser? Yeah. Did you buy the shirts at the mall or were you actually Yeah, are you just buying pipes and like them? Alien Workshop from uh, Hot Topic or something? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a big deal. Like, uh, I grew up in California and, you know, we went to the skate shop and you bought your t-shirts and, and there was guys that, you know, they were wearing the GNS or the Bones well, remember, shirts. remember, like it wasn't cool. I mean, this might be my era where Tony Hawk was like too too big to be cool. Yeah, I don't know. When like, I was growing up, yeah, you had to like, you had to like toy machine. Yeah, toy machine, like Jamie Thomas and all these like other skaters that were yeah more hardcore. I was see, yeah, and I was in the first round. So Pal Peralta, yeah, the Bones Brigade, all that was hardcore. They were yeah like. Caballero, you know, street skate in San Francisco. I literally have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> like, this is just noise. Yeah. I hope someone I so someone angry. out there likes this. You, and <laughs> you know, like as much as I'm into running now, I was into skateboarding. Yeah. Same. So cool. Well, we have yeah. that. Any other skaters out there? Um, all I have to say, we're excited to talk to Alexi Pappas today and hear her thoughts on mental health and other things running, um, her training and how that works. So uh, let's get into that. Yeah, she's a fascinating character. All right, so today we are talking with Alexi Pafas. Alexi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, and it's nice to, to be with you both. Um, I want to introduce you, but I feel like you have so many hats and titles, so give us the rundown. Yes, I will. You know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about that lately because I do feel like the way you introduce yourself is like the way people begin to see you. It's like you're dictating your your path forward in a way. So I suppose I will call myself an Olympian, an author, and an actress because I think those are my favorite things right now. I mean, that's pretty badass. I <laughs> yeah, <know. laughs> it's a pretty good list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I can't give myself that that many good titles. So you just uh, came out with your book, Bravey, which I told you right before we started recording that I binged it this weekend and absolutely loved it. So I want to start with that. Um, now that it's out there for the world to read, how are you feeling? Yeah, you know, I think when we know that we tried our best with something, which is how I feel about the book, there's less nervousness associated with like what are people going to think of this thing? Because I feel very proud of it. Um, there's more that feeling of like, I hope it finds the eyes that might, you know, it might resonate with. And I think that's where like, you know, I'm not, I'm not Matthew McConaughey yet, if you will, in terms of like visibility, but I think it like, there's going to be a nice home for this book. And I just hope it finds people's you know, who might like it. I mean, a biggest compliment Megan gave me, and like she really did, she got the book, what day was it, Friday? Friday. And just drilled through it. And one of the first things I said, well, hopefully it's well-written because it would really hurt to do this. And (laughs) she said, no, actually she writes very well. And Megan said, one of the biggest compliments I think you can give an author is you paint 
pictures that she was able to visualize in her head with the way that you write. So uh, it's not just a book by a runner, Olympian, and uh, author, actress. It's it's a good, it's a well-written book. Thank you. Well, I enjoy words. Like, I really like trying to find the words to describe my experiences. And I think that was, like, the greatest challenge and pleasure of the book process was, like, you know, having these experiences was one thing, but trying to put it into words was, like, a really you know, great challenge and, and joy. How does this book being out there compared to um, like finishing a marathon or a big event? Yeah, that's a good question. So let's see. I feel like, I mean, running is one of those sports that like seems pretty objective, like how you finish and what your time was or what your place was. And I actually think that running can be subjective, like depending on how we dictate our own narrative, which I know you, you read probably parts of that about that in the book. Um, however, I do think that there's some life that a book has after it releases, or it's almost like now it's born and now it gets to live its life. And so that's really different than a race where like, um, you know, when, when it's done, you are sort of like done with it. Right. And this one's like, this life has just begun. However, I think they're similar in that so much of the work was done beforehand and like a lot of the unglamorous work, a lot of that like dream come true stuff happens like in the whole lead up. Right. Yeah. That makes complete it's like sense. finishing backwards. Yeah. 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 Um, so this book is written in essay form. So basically like each chapter is sort of its own little mini story. Um, are there essays that didn't make it into the book? Yes. There were, we had to kill some darlings <laughs> and that, um, I think that was a product of like, I tried to get as specific as possible and tell enough like specific stories that you could extrapolate and assume like, okay, she writes about like one college party. They're like, probably were others, but like, we don't need to share every single detail. Right. And I think similarly, there were some challenges that like I shared you know, the ones that felt like the most indicative of like the overall lessons and like process that I've gone through. Um, but certainly there were cuts and that was like, thanks to support from a good editing team, you know? Do you think like musicians, like we'll see the side B's of Alexi Pappas, uh, stories? Like, will they like the takeouts? Yeah. Out? Yeah. We're going to see, are they going to pop I don't up? No, I mean, they, I have them all. Um, so we'll see what I do. <laughs> um, and, you know, some of them just, like, felt distracting. Like, I think some essays, you know, it, the book has an emotional arc. So even though the essays are meant to be able to be read individually, I think it does have an arc. And so I think, you know, part of selecting those essays was just, like, what, you know, takes us on the journey in the most, like, compelling way. Um, but yeah, those stories I'm sure will come out in time as they need to. One of the, um, you were talking about like there's processes and like learnings throughout this whole book. And one of the things that I loved that you put in there was this, I think you and Jeremy made it up called like the willpower index and yeah. it's essentially like to help you stay balanced. And I would love if you could tell us a little bit more about that, how you came up with it and like how you use it in your day to day. Yeah. So I think 
what I realized is that like I you know could quantify for myself like um energy output in terms of like um like effort or like fuel I was putting in my body like I I understood that like you know when when my if I don't have enough fuel in my body I need to like refuel or if I'm tired I need to sleep but willpower is like this intangible but very real resource that we have reservoir within our bodies to like make decisions throughout the day effectively and like keep going and I think when we recognize it as like a real depletable resource then we can start to understand why at the end of certain days we feel super drained even though maybe we didn't like exercise or we don't feel like we should feel drained and the willpower index is basically was a process it allowed me to be kinder to myself because I understood that if I did something that I found emotionally draining um such as getting in an argument with my husband or for me when I was injured cycling took it out of me emotionally in a different way than running, which I find to be really replenishing to me. And so the willpower index basically allowed me, you know, it it basically tracks like whether an activity that we do in our day, which could be anything is willpower draining or willpower boosting. So with the cycling, for example, to me, it was draining cooking. Meanwhile, for me is willpower boosting. And then on the other axis, it tracks, whether it's good for me or bad for me. So like biking, cycling might be good for me, but willpower draining, whereas cooking might be good for me and willpower boosting. And the idea is basically that at the end of the day, if we're doing too many draining activities to our willpower, like forget energy, just literally your, I think, emotional willpower, you're going to feel drained. And so it just helps me be kinder to myself. And I hope it helps people because um, it's really powerful to be able to like recognize when your willpower is drained, just like you might when your fuel or your sleep or anything else is drained. That's so interesting because on a creative aspect, like I do a lot of creative work uh, outside of running. That's probably like the day job. And I can get so drained doing something creative because I'm putting so much thought and effort into it that when I'm finished, I almost, there is somewhat of a exhaustion and I need to, I need to just sit and maybe a couple of days go by before I feel like being creative again, just because it just needs to rebuild up. And I hadn't thought about it in the context that you've just outlined there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a, that exact thing. And what I think what's important about it is that what is draining to you might be different than what's draining or boosting to somebody else. And if we make our own assessment for ourselves, then we kind of eliminate the like, I should feel this way, or I should feel that way. And that was the hardest part for me. And and I imagine even for you in your creative work, because to like, come home and be like, I'm so exhausted from my like creative work all day, you might feel guilty or spoiled for being like, I'm drained by this creative work when it's such a privilege or pleasure in general. Yeah. And, you know, it's that's something okay. that you take pride in, like you like, I'm sure uh, with your running, you take pride in that. And it almost feels when you're doing something you love, it feels like you're getting away with something. So to come home and feel drained from that is like, there's probably double guilt. Totally. It just eliminates that secondary emotion, which is like when we judge an emotion, I think, or we judge our ourselves. Yeah. 
It's always interesting that we have two brains and that there's the brain that we're functioning with and the brain that's judging how we function with stuff. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I also think about it um, on like race or race weekend, like the day before some of the activities that you're doing that you don't like, especially for elites, like you guys have press and like all these things that you have to do that are sort of draining you a little bit while they might be fun. Um, and we, we do digital marketing for races. And so there are times where we're actually working the day before we're going to go run an event. And I look back now thinking about this process and I'm like, those were not the things I should have been doing before a race. Like that's so draining. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate with like doing appearances at races where you're like going from speaking to like trying to recover or prepare for your race. And, you know, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's a balance or it's, I think it's okay to have those, that life where like, this is a part of your life where you, do those things within a 24 hour period. Um, I think part of it is just accepting ahead of time that you like made that choice. And so when you go into it, you feel like this isn't a sacrifice. This is the choice that I made and just like owning it and doing the best you can with it. And then setting yourself up in those rare, maybe there are times when you're like, no, this race is like that important to me that I'm not going to do all these other obligations. So maybe it's just, there's a time and a place for, the balance and there's a time and a place to like, you know, protect your time a little bit differently. Absolutely. So you talk a lot about mentors in this book, and I'm curious if there's been any athlete or person that you've met where you had an idea of who they were before you met them and then got completely <laughs> changed when you actually had a conversation with them or got to know yeah. them. Yeah. I think it, it happened, honestly, with Dina Castor and Shalane Flanagan, because I think from afar, we think, like, these are people who probably never miss a run or would never stop on a run to, like, pet a goat if they saw one. <laughs> and, you know, that's not true, actually. And I think that was, like, the greatest pleasure of all was when I got to train with Dina, for example, she did stop to, like, pet the horses. And when I ran with Shalane and, and actually, you know, I remember this one dinner in Mammoth, she was training there before she won New York. And, um, I remember there was like a snowstorm back East and she was like, Oh, I would not be doing my long run on a treadmill right now. And I was like, Oh, she's like a human who like also <laughs> finds it daunting to think about doing a long run on a treadmill. It's like, that just made her very human to me. And, um, it's not that I didn't think these people were humans. It's just that you don't know like what's going through their mind. And I think you can only assume that they're somehow tougher than you because of what they've accomplished. And I think they are really tough, but they're also like, they love companionship and nice weather and beautiful, you know, animals, just like the rest of us. And I think that's really comforting. Yeah. I love that. Of all of the mentors you've had, is there one in particular that you would say has had the biggest impact on you? Oh, well, let me think. Or a few. You know, I wrote, yeah, well, I, I mean, I wrote a little chapter about my coach in Oregon, Ian, and that like, he really did have a huge impact on me because I think he was like a mentor that I you know, he was my coach. That's a really specific kind of mentor. 
that's like an official mentor, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's officially my mentor. Um, you get a badge. And was, right. He was an Olympian himself and, or he is an Olympian and he was someone that like, I felt very lucky to be able to try my absolute best around him and know that he was managing the bigger picture. And he just, it was like, all I was supposed to do was try my best and he took care of the rest. And I think that was a huge gift because he believed in me enough, but he also believed in himself enough to like guide me. And his ego was like never on the line. Like I think you can really palpably feel if someone who's mentoring you has some sort of like stake for themselves in your performance or your outcome. And it never really works that way. If they like squeeze too tight on what you're doing, they need to be doing it from a place of like magnanimous love and like full openness to whatever happens. Kind of almost like a parent. If you think about it, like hopefully a parent, their ego isn't wrapped up in how their child is like performing. Um, and it felt like that with Ian and it felt like that at the right time. Because I wasn't yet prepared to make some of those decisions for myself. I was like a new professional runner and I wasn't an Olympian yet. And he brought me there. And so it was like he was the right mentor at the right time. And he really committed. Now, so that it, meant the world to me. Is this something that you knew at the time and were aware of? Or was this something that since you moved away um, from the situation in the Olympics, that now you can look back with more clarity and go, that's that was what was special about that relationship. Yeah. I think I knew it at the time I'd had other coaches, you know, um, but I appreciate it more and more. So, you know, it's both. And, uh, I mean, I knew it was special because I was just like performing really well. I was happy. I was healthy. You know, I had all these, like my dreams felt possible and then we got them. So yeah. that was really cool. All right, another check-in here. And uh, did you know that you can physiologically change the way you're running by just putting a smile on your face? It's going to release some hormones and it's going to release some signals to the brain that this isn't so bad. So give yourself a big smile. Maybe think about doing Project Run Wave and waving to the runners that you go by and stay in that positive frame of mind while you get this run done. Okay, so you, um, in the book, you outline quite a few traumas that you had as a child, um, and I'm wondering if you obviously also have a very high pain threshold in your running, and do you yeah. think that those two align? Uh, like, are they related? Yeah, do you think because of those experiences as a young child, you maybe have a higher pain threshold than most of us? I think I have a different perspective than some people. And I think where that comes into play with running in particular is like the pain of running, as long as you're not like injured, is really simple. I mean, it's, it's really painful, but it is, it is a really simple sport in that as long as you're not hurting yourself, you like the decision to keep putting one foot in front of the other in, in the goal of getting to the finish line is a really beautifully simple, good pain. It's an iteration of good pain. And, you know, I think having this, this perspective to know that there is a bad pain out there, and I saw a lot of that, was really, you know, 
it was just a good perspective. And then as far as like my actual pain tolerance, I mean, I think that I was driven from a very young age to go as far to the edge as was possible in the good pain way, which I associate with sports, with, with art, you know, with the art. Um, and it was because I really wanted to be, you know, not like my mom at that time when I didn't understand like why she took her own life. I didn't understand and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so, yeah, I think my pain tolerance was, was high because I had that perspective and I was pushing up against something, um, in a, in a maybe unsustainable way, but a really powerful way. Nonetheless. Do you feel like running itself was a way to kind of push away or, or gravitate towards life? I would guess, um, you know, to find a place where, like you said, it's pretty objective. You run, you run hard, you run times, it, you get results. Was it a way to kind of take out some of the fuzziness in life where, you know, emotions and mental stuff come in? Yeah, running is a wonderful sport. I mean, it is like so, it's the best way to see a place. It's the best way to spend time with people. It's really like, it's wonderful, right? And and you can try and win or PR and there's some objective, there's some objectivity to it that's comforting, you know, like there are rules and there's a finish line. And so I think naturally I gravitated towards those sorts of sports where like I could be in control of my destiny in some way. Um, and at the same time, I, I also liked that I could put in energy and time and definitely improve. I think running is one of those sports where like you will get better if you want to. And I like that about it. Um, so yeah, it's a great, it's a good, it's all good. It's a good pain land, you know? <laughs> all right. So I want to maybe transition a little bit to sponsorships. Um, nice. And specifically in the book, you wrote, um, I was thrilled and grateful that Under Armour valued me enough to make such a generous offer, but then I tried training in their shoes. And essentially, under Armour, it sounded like wanted to make you the face of women's running um, for their brand. And you essentially had some concerns because of their product. And I'm curious to know, how often do you think that this happens where someone is deciding whether to accept a financial security, but not necessarily believe in the brand and the product that they're going to run in or not accept it? Um, and pursue their like the best ability in yeah. the most confident product of their choice. Yeah. Well, I feel like that can be a really tough, like those are tough crossroads to be in because, you know, um, there are a number of like excellent companies out there with great people and great products and they can't sponsor everyone. So like there, and there are so many people who would like to run. And I really think, or to write, would like to play sports and be supported. Um, and I think sport is like a privilege that we have, you know, it's not like a right that I get to run every day and train for the Olympics. It's some, I feel very privileged. And so I recognize that anybody believing in me and giving me a chance like that is a real privilege at the same time running is as mental as it is physical. And so I think if we're training in something that one might actually not work physically, might, 
you know, not be up to par to help us get to those dreams or two that we simply don't believe in for whatever reason, most likely due to the, the product itself, it will be a hard thing to fake. And, you know, it gets back to the, to what is our goal? Like, is our goal to be, to make as much money as possible as athletes, which might lead someone to make one decision or is the goal to get to our dreams, to our goal of like perhaps the Olympics or whatever goal you have. And I think that means you strike a balance. You must believe in what you're wearing and it has to like support you. And so, yeah, like, you know, I went into it in the book, but I've always felt like I need to believe in like the companies and teams and products that I align with. And I've had a lot of really great experiences. Um, and, and I've just always made the choice to make sure that I'm wearing what I believe in because I know when like, when I step on the start line, I need to feel ready and capable. And that means a lot of things. I, I think that that is the answer we're looking for. <laughs> I think that a part of the question is, it just out of curiosity, because you bring up a good point. Like nobody ever talks about that, frankly, in, in a book about the sponsorship. So, you know, it was really refreshing to hear someone say they're not making a product that I would feel conf- confident lining up to the start line with. And we've seen people who are sponsored by various brands line up in vapor flies that are blacked out or whatever, because they know that this is their time to perform at their highest level. And they want the, the th- equipment that yeah. will get them there. Do you know athletes, uh, I guess, that have settled and you don't have to name names. Um, but just if you are aware that there's athletes out there that maybe who are sacrificing their talent or their time to shine for the, for a product that isn't going to get them there. I think like there, what, what the problem is, if that ever happens is that the athlete simply, um, like, Either that's the only option they have, and so that actually is the best way to get uh, to their goal. Good point. Or, like, or they um, don't understand and haven't yet nailed down what the things they need to get to their goal are. Meaning, like, so if someone is, is settling for something that isn't going to get them to their goal, that's on them. You know, if they had an option or if they're making a choice to, again, like look at a dollar sign or that kind like, you know, to be, have more money when really you don't need, you only need to have enough. You need to have enough. And so I think, yeah, but the problem, I, I, I would say like, I don't really blame the companies, honestly, like these companies are providing opportunities. They probably are trying their best with whatever products they're making. Um, I would say that, and I'm not trying to blame the athlete. I'm just saying like, it is on us to like, before we go in those conversations. And I think I learned this, that we know what we need and, and we know what our goals are and we know what we need to get there. And so, yeah, I think it's probably true that people are making some trade-offs and I hope they're doing it for the right reasons. Like I would hope that whoever's wearing, if someone's actually wearing a shoe they hate, (laughs) you know, I hope it's, still gets them to their dream because they really, you know, they've made the right choice for them. Like they're like, I hate it, but it's helping me in this, this way or this way. So whatever it is, I hope that they've made the choice that like sets them up on their path, you know? Yeah. I would, I would say like that was, you know, M- Megan's briefing me on the book cause I can't read as fast as her. So <laughs> when she's giving me synopsis of, uh, of every chapter uh, each night, 
And she talked about that. And, you know, obviously we test shoes and we review shoes. So we know people at these various companies to hear somebody like say out loud what we've heard in corners about a specific brand or anything. It was just like, wow, that's, this is, this book is going like, like everything else you did in the book. It's, it's like, Hey, this is a straightforward, no bullshit, you know, book. And I, I thought, I thought that was very interesting. Now you're with somebody I consider a friend, uh, for footwear, uh, Michael Kragic and the Atreyu team. Yeah. And, uh, we love the product. I cannot believe what's happened in a year for them as far as, you know, it's, it's really, I mean, they, they launched less than a year ago and they have a fantastic entry level product with the subscription model. And, um, I'm guessing you've run in the artist a bit and have tried that out and, uh, obviously believe in it. You're running with their team now. And so we know, you know, from, from the book, I can guess that you actually believe in the product and are, are enjoying yeah. running in it. How did you um, meet Michael or find a Treyu? Yeah, it was really organic, to be honest. So I, I run, you know, with the champion team as my apparel sponsors, and that left open the store for the last several years to run in whichever shoes I wanted because champion didn't have like an elite training or racing shoe and so I could wear whatever I wanted and my manager Merhawi Kofleski um who's Meb's brother really wonderful Howie. had been yeah he's great him and Liam his partner they were sending me shoes from the various companies that they worked with just so that I could try things and I wasn't buying all my shoes and so I tried a number of shoes and really liked different shoes but it was when they sent me the Atreyu's that I kept like requesting more and more of these shoes and it was super organic and I'd been running in them basically since, since they had, since I'd tried them, I think it was like last spring, last summer. And it just felt like a shoe I was choosing and I would have, you know, kept choosing them. And then they, you know, also chose me, which was very fun and such a privilege because I think, I like their philosophy. I obviously like, I'm very like product first and like company vibe first as well. And I believed in the product first. So that really like meant a lot to me. Cause like, I don't, I don't need to sign with any company. I want to work with companies I believe in. And so this felt just like such a pleasure and a privilege and also a company that I could add something unique to because I think they have a choice in being so new about like where are they going to go with this and like who are they going to want to who do they want to reach and I think they're very well-rounded people I know you know Michael but he's just like he kind of thinks about the whole world differently and I think they're approaching this shoe game differently in a way that's refreshing and uh, it's going to make a really big impact so yeah I, I just, I love, I love Michael's energy. He's got, he's just, he's a fun guy and does think about things in a different way. So I, I don't want to give him too much kudos, <laughs> but he's, he's, it's pretty awesome. Well, he's so, he's so curious. Right. And I think like the whole idea is that like a shoe is going to take you places and like, you want to feel that possibility when you wear it. Um, and I think it's just fun to feel that, that company, like, you know, you can feel it through the product itself. And I love when a product really like resembles and reflects the 
the values of its founders. Yeah. Really cool. It's the only shoe that we actually did a uh, uh, our own model of. So that's the uh, wow. Yeah. So it was it was pretty cool. Michael let us do a believe in the run uh, version of it. So it was fun. That's awesome. So are you training? Do you right wear now? them? Do oh. I wear them? Yeah. Are you wearing them? Not right now. I can go get them. <laughs> I, yeah, I want to see your special shoe. Uh, I, Robbie, um. go down and grab my shoe. I'll, I'll show it to you. <laughs> no, we are. He's already on the way, and now it's so okay. exciting. But no. Go ahead, Meg. Um, yeah, no, I was just going to ask, uh, are you training right now? Like, and what's, what's upcoming for you? Yeah. So I am training and I'm back in LA. So I did some altitude training this fall, this winter. I was in Boulder in December. With Allie, and right? Yeah. Yeah. I was with her and that was actually really fun because, you know, I'm not like on this formal team setup anymore the way I was in Eugene where like we went to kind of more organized camps or I would go to Mammoth every year so now I plan my own camp and that was something where we you know we 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 were there at the same time and I really enjoy training with women like that like on whenever we can um you know Abby D'Agostino was out there for a while and it's just it was really fun and so I want to run a marathon a marathon like I don't know, late spring, like I am totally open to the fact that the world is like in a place where it's trying to like put itself back together and create more opportunities. And so I feel like I'm just trying to be agile and prepared for, you know, the idea that the world might shift a little bit in the late spring. I know or, there have been a few the Woodlands, races. Woodlands but... Marathon. <laughs> yeah. Wait, the the Wilderness Marathon is March sixth, and we're we're going to be is there. It actually, yeah, is it happening? Yeah, we just wow. re- released a map, so uh, it's March sixth. Uh, I know Cal Neff is running it, and I was just like, ah, we'll be there. <laughs> That's great. Well, I want to I want to make sure I have a list of all the events that you guys know about because I think some of us don't even know what is happening exactly. Um, but you know, Howie and I are working to put together possible options for like an Olympic qualifying marathon and with hopes that, you know, something feels right and feels like good timing and safe. And uh, I think it will. I think the world is hopefully shifting. So I still have my eyes on that, that marathon moment where I feel the way I felt in a 10K and I know that I can and I know that I will. That's awesome. So the marathon is now, would you say that's like your distance? Or that's the one you love the most? Yeah. I mean, I'll always love the track. And I think there's like a time and a place for it. But I've always like wanted to keep growing and wanted to stay curious in the sport. And the marathon is just one of those those like classic events that, you know, it's like a tradition you're joining. And I've run a couple marathons, but I just really want to feel like – I've applied the lessons I've learned into the next one and I I know how I want to feel and I think I'm headed there, you know? Yeah. yeah. Here, here's an additional question for you. I know you have a pug you love very much. 
we have a small dog yeah. that's making the squealing noise that yeah, you and hear. Biting and right for now. some reason, every time we get on a conversation with someone, he cannot be left alone. Is there any tricks that you have for giving your dog calm while you're on the uh... I totally get it. Okay, so we'll either put Bernini in our lap, which is like, she's really, I think dogs are like nesting animals, so she'll be really calm when she's in our lap. Um, or we'll give her like a chew stick or something. But I feel like the lap is like, the best way to actually keep her calm um so that's the best advice i have is like the lap under your desk or like in your sweatshirt there we go yeah i started out with a bone but he ate it and now that was the problem (laughs) so now he's back here Um, let's let's continue would you ever consider an ultra it's a great question. So I live in like, I feel like the land of ultras. I met Rich Roll recently and I feel like that was inspiring to me because he, you know, runs on the same trails as me, but probably goes like a little bit further than I do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd be open to it. Like it's certainly like something that I think I might do in, in like a, the next phase of life or something. I don't know. I mean, the answer is yes I'd probably try it but I don't it feels like the marathon is still the thing I want to wrap my head around first so I'm open to it I don't know that much about it to be honest I think I need to learn more it's hard to find Um, a place for it to fit in with marathon training (laughs) right no I respect that every event like needs its moment right like I wouldn't want to do multiple things at once but I like that ultras are mostly on trails. Is that right? I think that's interesting. I mean, there there uh, are some road ones, but yeah, it, but there I are mean, a lot of trails. Yeah. I mean, JFK is the oldest one. That one kind of goes road and like rail Isn't that trail. Half, half. Yeah, it's it's it's. Yeah, kind of I heard about that. You know what? Right now, I'm going to cheer for the ultras. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. With you. I'm going to cheer. I'll you, be support staff. You I'll still have goals the with the marathon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like it's still itching, you know. And then, um, I mean, so you're saying you need to find that Olympic qualifying. So you're not a lock for Greece for uh, the Olympics this year? No, we need to hit the time. So I ran really well in Houston, but the standard is like a few minutes faster. And I know I can do it, but I still got to do it. What What is the qualifying time there in Greece? Is it different than ours? No, it's all the same. All universal, okay. What is it? Is it two two twenty nine? Two twenty nine thirty, I believe. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's super fast. <laughs> yeah, it's fast. It's fast but doable, you know. So it's like I respect how challenging it's going to be. Um, yeah. Cool. Is there any world majors that you'd like to add to your bucket list before you stop running marathons? Yeah. Yeah, I have always wanted to race New York and Boston. I've raced Chicago. I love it. Um, and I've been on the lead car for New York City, which I think was like such a gift and a oh, wow. pleasure. Uh, it was so fun. Um, but being a part of like Boston, that tradition and the New York marathon tradition as like a, as an athlete would be really, really cool. So we were actually, we ran Chicago the same year you ran Chicago. So we were, we were on the course with you. You probably didn't see us. There was like (laughs) 40,000 people there. What are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) I waved to you a hundred times. Yeah. And then, uh, what year were you 
in the lead car in New York? Because, I mean, if it's Shalane's it year. Was, no, it wasn't Shalane's year. It was like 2000, I want to say 2016. It was either 2015 or 16. Like either right before or right after the Olympics. Mm. Um, I can look, I but it was one of those years. Right around then. Were you as exhausted when you finished in the lead car as if maybe you had run it because of the excitement and just the whole energy? It was really, I mean, it was so fun because you see the whole thing. You get to like be with the women. You're like with the lead women. And I remember this like little dog, speaking of dogs, like ran out in front of the, like the actual lead car is ahead of the winner. And we were right behind. So I saw this whole scenario play out where like this little dog like ran through the middle of the street and everyone was like afraid it was going to like get run over by the lead car. And there was this like gasp and, and then it like scurried out and it was totally fine. And I think that that's just like par for the course in these like marathon scenarios where like, you know, there's chaos, but like (laughs) usually hopefully everything is okay. And that was just like one of those moments that I think, I caught uniquely because I was in that, that car. Um, you definitely have to like hold, you can't go to the bathroom during it. So you're sitting in the car and, um, but I thought it was really a cool way to like experience a marathon. I mean, you can watch them on TV and learn a lot, but I definitely learned a lot by simply being right there with those women. It was such a gift. Yeah. That sounds cool. That's super cool. I gotta get myself in the league car. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you very briefly mentioned that you make your own sourdough in the book. And I'm curious if this is something you do like regularly. Yeah. So I go in my stints of like sourdough moments, which I think everybody with sourdough does where (laughs) with sourdough, for those people who don't know, you can like have it active or you can like make it go, allow it to go dormant. And when it's active, I use it and make things a lot with it because it's like growing and you have this like this batter basically to use. And sometimes I just do shortcut like pancakes, quick ones. Um, right now, it's actually dormant in my refrigerator because I'm so focused on this book release and on training that it was like, I'm not going to end up making this bread every day. Um, but it's there and it's ready for my um, my revival of it. At any moment, Megan doesn't need a starter, but she makes the most amazing bagels. So maybe, maybe one of these days we'll get to exchange. Wait, that's awesome! Is it hard to make bagels? It's not hard. It's just you know, it's a little time consuming. I mean, there's an art to it because she's given this recipe to other people, and nobody has been able to match (laughs) her bagel. So, wow, that's so interesting. I, I, I think it's fascinating when like someone can't replicate. I mean, and I'm probably one of those like a recipe. Like that a recipe could be so difficult to like actually execute is, um, is true. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So we have a few, um, is there anything else? No, let's go. A few, uh, end of podcast questions. One, which we're going to have to alter for you because you wear so many hats. But, um, so the first one is if there was one thing that you could have with you on every single run, so Headphones, shoes, yeah. the most important thing that you can't leave the house with. What would it be? Oh, well, I can't leave the house without my running shoes. I suppose that's it, my Atreus, to be honest. Okay. I guess I could be naked in theory. I really like wearing my garment. I really don't like 
not having my watch on. Um, but I suppose I need my shoes. I don't, I don't think I'm going to go barefoot running anytime soon. That's interesting for me. The Garmin, I mean, obviously you wanted to see how far you're running and stuff like that and, and track your pace. What's the most important thing that you track with your watch? Um, after you track, yeah, that you use your Garmin for. Yeah. I mean, I use it. I try to like keep consistent one of the measurements that I use. And that, to be honest, is the, is distance over everything else. Because, you know, um, when I'm like at altitude, for example, I might run a little slower, but I know that like I can still run eight miles today. So it's a, that's a pretty basic function, but it's really important uh, and really helpful for me. So you're able to monitor sort of your effort and know where your body is. It's just, you want to know, Hey, this is my market. This is how long and far I want to go. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Are you on Strava? I, mine is private. So good luck finding (laughs) it. But there's a world where I, I start to share that information more and more. Um, I think, I think it could be fun to like, become more involved in the community. I think it's such a wonderful app and like, I love the way people use it. It's been interesting to see more and more pros sharing their training. So openly on Strava yeah. or another platform. Yeah. And I don't know if you follow. Yeah. There or Garmin people. Yeah. I mean, the cool way to share. Do you, do you follow uh Kira D'Amato? Yeah. Okay. You get I'm a joke so every day. You know, <laughs> if you follow her Strava, she gives a nice, Knock knock or fun. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your go to post race meal or beverage or both? Yeah. Well, you know, in Chicago I go to Greek town every time and eat like really great Greek food. And I think that hits a lot of my like cravings because I always want like salty and uh, like the foods I can't eat before the race, which is like, I'm not going to eat octopus or like wild <laughs> the night before. So I like good, good Greek feast. So you're not recommending someone have uh, seafood before their marathon. <laughs> you know, I know people who do like salmon and like really simple fish, yeah. but I personally stick to like sweet potatoes and chicken and bread. Solid. Awesome. Like it. Okay, so this is the question that's not totally going to work for you. So we usually ask, if you weren't running professionally, what would you be doing? So I'm going to change it up and say, if you could only pick one thing. One lane. One lane to be in, what would it be? Yeah, well, right now I think eyes are on Tokyo, so it's a pretty clear lane, right? Yeah. Today I'm working on the book, so I think that is a really nice lane to be in, but I'm, I think... Tokyo is a pretty good goal to have. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I am sure that all these interviews and talking about the book is sort of like running a marathon where you're exhausted and it's, you talked about draining and your, your thing. So hopefully this wasn't negatively draining you, but just draining <laughs> you in a positive way. You have a good vocabulary for it. No, I'm so honored to be here and uh, I'm pumped to see you at one of the races that you guys are doing. Yeah, well, we will be both running Woodlands. I'll be doing the half main. We'll be doing the full. And uh, that's in Texas on March 6th. I, I feel like I'm promoting it. Like, yeah. this is a big promotion. But I just want to see you there. <laughs> and awesome. Michael Kragic is so close. He can come visit. We could have a whole thing. But He's great. Texas is the best. Yeah. And 
uh, I'm going to go research this marathon right now. Yeah, cool. if we if we do not see you there, then we will be rooting for you at whatever Wherever marathon you, you find this spring. So. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's so, so interesting to see because I kind of had a two-dimensional view of you before. Yeah. Like, you know, I saw, I thought, oh, she's fun. She does this stuff. I kind of had like an idea of who you were and I was totally off. And, you know, after going through uh, Megan's synopsis of your book and I'm, I am going to read it. I just, I can't read in two days. Um, <laughs> that's a span. It's a pretty quick, like long read. Yeah, it is. Like bizarrely. I know. I don't, I think that's just the, oh, look, that's awesome. So there was two different, that's- two different um, shoes. One left one right shoe so they were asymmetrical um but yeah i love it i love the color scheme honestly that's the best yeah so that's great. i don't think they have um, any more otherwise i tell mike to hook you up but. oh i know they do the limited release which is great um i think that's awesome and yeah i think that's one thing about gravy the book is that you know some people on social media it can be really easy to get like a you know, a, a snapshot that doesn't really tell the whole story and it can make people seem like they're cartoons or something. And that's okay. That's really fun and positive. But I think there was like really a longer circuitous journey to where I got and, and I wanted to share so that people feel like they can do whatever they want, no matter where they're, they're they began, you know? Yeah. I'm interested where the follow-up book's going to go. Cause you're definitely going to have one after mm. this. So. I mean, it seems to be really Thank well received you. across the board. Yeah, congrats on the book. It was awesome. Such a good read. So, Thank you. Thank you for sharing about it. I'm super grateful. Of course. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was super fun for us. Um, and yeah, we hope that we run into you at some point soon. Yeah. Yes. Good luck in your race. That's, that's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. So last check-in. I'm hoping that you have had a mentally enjoyable run. One thing that you might want to check out and try that helps me with my running and life in general is meditation. I actually use a Headspace app, but there's plenty of apps out there that you can use to get started with meditation. I find that it brings more joy to my life and more present moments during my run so I can get through some of the tougher spots and push through some of the barriers that I'm trying to get through. So you may want to check that out, but that's it. Hopefully you enjoy the rest of your run and have a great day. So thanks for listening this week. I hope you enjoyed our talk with Alexi Papas and our nonsense talk at the beginning, which got you through your runs. And if the check-ins are working for you, let us know. Uh, we always appreciate the feedback. Share this with a friend. Uh, maybe give us, th- leave us a review. Yeah, think about leaving us a review. And uh, also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram. Check out the website for the full written reviews and YouTube for the video reviews. We want to thank Nick Sanchez, our producer, for putting this together. Anybody else you want to thank other than Alexi? No, thanks to Alexi for coming on. It was a great conversation. Yeah, and that's it for this week. So tune in next week. we got some great guests coming up and uh, one that we'll reveal to you uh, later this month that will blow your fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> Slap that explicit on there. Yeah. <laughs>